Welcome back to the Let's Be Friends podcast. I'm here with Let's Be Friends contributor Nicholas Hinton, and we are ready to jump into part three of our series, The Fake Apocalypse and the False Gospel of Churchianity. How you doing, Nick? Doing good. The name will never make me not laugh. I know, I know. <laughs> even, even, even I made it. <laughs> I know. I think the word churchianity is so funny when you first said it because I'm not. We're not. I'm not trying to be offensive. We're not being offensive. Like uh, this isn't about. We're not Jesus. It's about the church. Like there's issues in the church, just like there's issues in man. And it's very interesting as a new follower of Christ, as a new Christian, learning about all of these differences in the different denominations and the whole history of it. And it is kind of a churchianity. Yeah. People need to read church history. That's all that we're going to definitely do an episode about that. Uh, but that's all I'll say for now. I mean, I actually just got back from an Orthodox church down the road and I got a whole new book about uh, church history from the priest. So oh, cool. hopefully I'll have some new insights from that as well. What brought you to an Orthodox church? Well, I mean, everything we've been talking about with churchianity, but um, yeah, luckily there's one right down the road from the new place I'm staying. So um, yeah, like I said in previous episodes, it wasn't, just wasn't feeling it at the other ones I tried. So Yeah, at, anyway, at the Protestant uh, church, right? Yeah, so one of the, like a Baptist church, but anyways. Because I guess I'm still, I going, I'm still going to a Protestant church, but I do want to check out an Orthodox church because I like a lot of the like, traditional things like the old music and like the incense and just like knowing about like I had I feel kind of I need to repent a little bit about how I talked about the saints in the past um and I just Me assumed too. I just assumed it was idol worship and I think we're supposed to just think of idols as like these little statues but like honestly anything you put before God becomes an idol it doesn't have to be a little statue or a saint or a spirit but when I realized that what as a way I believe it to be that you aren't praying to the saints like you would pray to God or to Jesus. You're just going to the saint like you you've said it, like you go to your friend and say, Will you pray for yeah. me? Well, why not ask the saints who did these miraculous things, had these miraculous lives that are dead, and when you die, you surpass time. So are they with God right now? Like, hey God, yo, what's up? Uh my friend Kara was looking for some extra prayer and I love her. Here you yeah. go. Yeah, God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living and the saints, you know, if we believe the promise of Jesus Christ, they achieved immortality through their martyrdom, which is probably the highest honor you could achieve as a believer because it is how Jesus lived out his ministry, right? Yeah. That's like the purest form of sanctification because we're all sinful. Um, it's probably, you know, it's like a bodily sacrifice. It's the most intense thing you could do for your faith. And honestly, I think it's a bit heretical to say, oh, I know so much more than, you know, the apostles who were literally given the teachings from Jesus himself. And then those apostles went on to disciple people, those disciples and the disciples of the disciples became the church fathers. And then those people organized the Bible that you read. So, you know, it doesn't make sense to say you know more than them. And <clears throat> yeah, I think church history is so important. And I guess um, I just don't think it's appropriate that we don't even learn about it in a lot of the Protestant denominations. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and and like the most important thing to is that, you know, Jesus was God in the flesh and he died for all of our sins. He was sacrificed and he lived the perfect life and he rose again after he was dead and he bridged the way to God, our father in heaven. And, and as we know, that is the way 
because I like to say Jesus is the bouncer in front of God. But then when you look at all the churches, in that's front of, in, front of, in front of the Father. Yes. If you want to be yes. more specific. Yep. And so, but and so, like when we talk about all the churches, it doesn't. To me, I'm at this place. It's like as long as you know who Jesus is, like that's what salvation is. You're saved through your faith, your grace through your faith, and knowing who Jesus is and following Him, not by what you're going to the right church. So I just wanted to say that to the yeah. audience right now, like the things we're discussing. It's sort of I'm not going to be that Christian Karen anymore, where I'm like Catholicism's wrong, uh, this mm-hmm. this is wrong, or Charismatic's wrong. It's like it's not for me. Jesus is the important thing that binds us all together, that unites us, um, but as it comes to the church history and learning about the churches, I've been evolving and growing the more I learn. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, the Catholicism is closer to the, I mean, it's older than Protestantism and it's closer to the original traditions, but the institutions behind Catholicism have what's been usurped and are in some ways behind a lot of the Protestant teachings. Um, but that's a whole other topic. But yeah, as long as you have Jesus Christ, you and you are thirsting for the truth and you're praying for it the holy spirit will guide you into all wisdom and you'll find what you need to find and you know the thing about the saints is like yeah you're not praying to them you don't need the saints you just need jesus however it's really motivating and encouraging to read about their lives their stories the miracles they performed and yeah it's the same it's the same exact thing you know you're not if you have a little picture of a saint, it's just a reminder. It's like having a picture of like a dead relative, like you know, you just are honoring them. And <clears throat> when you know, it's like people all the time say, "Well, I just need God." Well, it's like, okay, if you just need God, then you know, like you said, then why do you ask your friends and family to pray for you? So you can ask you can ask the saints to do the same. Yeah, exactly. They're up in the great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on as we run the race. Yep. That's what Paul's talking about, at least I think. And maybe one day we'll all be up there able to pray for those down here, you know, as our friends. Yeah. So last week, the part two, we discussed the conspiracy theory that Donald Trump, Elon Musk, and the AI called Q are the unholy trinity spoken by the right wing evangelist. Oh, gosh, help me. Evangelist. Evangelist. Thank you. And how this conspiracy theory is a conspiracy in and of itself, which is meant to lead Christ's flock astray into the new lukewarm, syncretic sci-fi version of Christianity. Are the Jesuits staging a heretical and futuristic in futurist interpretation of the scriptures to distract the end times Christians from the true revelation timeline and discredit the truth of historicist orthodoxy? Is it possible we are witnessing the great falling away from the true faith? And my answer would be yes. <laughs> yes, and I agree. And now we're going to meld into part three, which starts with you believing that the world, that you no longer believe the world is a simulation. Right, which is part of that whole sci-fi Gnostic crap. There's a lot of Christians I even, you know, come across that believe in simulation theory. So I do not believe that's true. I believe that we live in God's good green earth, the original creation. But I will just start up where the thread starts. Well, actually, before you go start the thread, just in case somebody listening doesn't really understand what simulation theory is, uh, let's just chat one moment about that. That is a theory that I fell into quickly after my awakening, probably because of you oh, yeah, discovering yeah. you yeah, and talking yeah, yeah. to my Maria about this stuff. And I, and you start seeing synchronicities when you first wake up, like the clock being a certain number, or you just start noticing the patterns because you're breaking the spell of all the stuff that was always in front of you, the occult that was hidden. You are now yeah, yeah. enlightened to see. And so the world does start seeming like a simulation. Everything is kind of about our energy. 
And I did psychedelics at times where I thought I saw what looked like a matrix energy field around me. And um, so that's kind of what I think of with simulation. There's like NPCs, non-player characters, but that everything's kind of like functioning like a giant game. Yeah. And that belief is kind of super divisive, right? Because it's like, oh, there's people without souls out there. And it's like, that's quite a statement yeah. to say about somebody else. <clears throat> and that might be true, but like, you know, you shouldn't just assume if someone's like not as smart or enlightened as you that they don't have a soul. I think that's just kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, I definitely believed in the simulation because I was watching the news and how scripted it seemed and world events and how, you know, there's gematria encoded in all of it. But I'm just going to, you know. I can't I'm see the Gematria uh, stuff now. Like, it literally almost makes me feel schizophrenic when people post that as proof of anything. I'm just like, this means nothing, actually. This just proves well, that yeah, they're playing uh, a I game mean, on us. I, I used Gematria to figure out that um, numer numerologically or numerically, whatever, um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches has the same value as 9-11. So <laughs> Wait, what does like, that have to do with 9-11? Exactly, oh my God, it's nothing. nine minutes and 11 seconds right now as we said that. In the audio. Okay, now now you're being <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Vallis. Good one, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm just saying that you can use cogn uh, like your cognitive bias to connect any two ideas if you try hard enough. Yeah, but no, what but is like, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and 911 thing? Nothing. They're oh, not related means, at all. Oh, I'm just saying, I get I'm just it. I get it. I, I get it. Yep. Yeah. Now I get. See, I yeah. was like, wait, what is it? Tell me. Tell me. But you're like, no. The point is, it, it could, nothing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right. Dive into your thread, okay. please. Okay. So I no longer. Oh, and nine eleven's included in this thread, which is no. Cool. Oh my gosh, so, that's awesome. So be able to, the AI is really. I, sometimes the AI shines. I know. <laughs> I no longer believe our world is simulation. Now I believe our world is more like a simulation of a simulation, not a simulation in a simulation, a simulation of a simulation. <laughs> a simulation is simply an imitation of something. So what I'm trying to say is that I believe our world imitates the appearance of a simulation. It is real, but masquerades is something fake, kind of like a play rehearsal where actors act like they're acting. Stick with me. I promise this will make sense in a bit. What I just described is similar to the concept of a simulacrum, which can be more easily explained using money. Thousands of years ago, wealth was seen as food, water, and shelter. Eventually, these things were traded for gold. Then certificates replacing how much gold someone had were traded in their place. The certificates then turned into dollars, and those dollars then turned into, into digital digits on a screen. So a digital digit is a simulacrum of food, water, and shelter, or wealth. Wealth has transformed into even more confusing abstractions, though. For example, status symbols like Gucci or Versace clothes signify someone must have money. However, fake Gucci and fake Versace clothes are also available, so even someone without money can put on the appearance of having wealth, which actually seems to be more important to some people these days. In fact, we've all become simulacrums of ourselves in some ways. The same way a subatomic particle behaves differently when it's observed, so do people, and we are always being observed. And I just want to add, I'm not so sure that I really believe in the quantum physics mumbo-jumbo at this point, but it is true that we behave differently when observed. It's just a metaphor. Mm -hmm. Anyways, whether it's from the surveillance, government, or our own friends recording Snapchats and TikToks, we are constantly on camera. In a sense, we've all become like those actors at the play rehearsal. Everyone becomes a persona or an image. Everyone's a celebrity. And this is something that Andy Warhol predicted. And the um, chaos magician, I believe it was, is either Grant Morrison or Alan Moore um, in this comic book called The Invisibles. Like, everyone's using augmented reality. Gender fluid's gone mainstream. Everyone's practicing chaos magic. Conspiracy theories are mainstream. 
and everyone becomes a celebrity for 15 minutes, like Andy Warhol said. So, I, yeah, everyone's become like a weird mask of themselves on the world stage that they purposely put in front of our face. But yeah, sorry, I, go ahead. I thought I had my 15 minutes of fame in 2004. I like I thought I'd literally hit my high point because I heard about that Andy Warhol thing where everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame because I went to see uh, Coachella in 2004 and I w- I'm obsessed with Radiohead's like my well they definitely used to be they still are my favorite band and they were headlining and before them the Pixies played and I waited dude I like left back coming out as like a guest performer in a tent to go wait in front of a stage with nobody for nine hours during the day to get be front row for Radiohead. So I was front row. I don't know if you've ever been front row in a concert that big. It's like kind of insane. Talk about a simulation. Like well, I, was, I, I never did, but I saw Mac Miller live before he was super duper famous at a house of blues. Well, that's and cool. I was right at the. I that's was like cool. able to reach out and cut them if I wanted to. But well, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm talking like the like about the sheer force of a crowd that big. It's like impossible to be up there. And like uh, so, anyways, about like a month or two later, my sister contacted me and she's like, "Oh my gosh, you're in the Coachella documentary." And if you look and you can Google Ooh. like Coachella 2004 Pixies, where is my mind? It shows me in the audience like singing along with Frank Black and like dancing, and I look super cool. I thought that was my 15 minutes of fame. This took us totally off topic. And anyway, uh, but this is, yeah, we all think we're a celebrity. We are the celebrity of our own show. And a simulacrum of ourselves is still the reality. Even if you act kind of different in front of people, like people do that online and all that, that's still reality, right? Because that's what's existing in that moment. Yeah, the fake reality replaces the real reality and becomes more real than the real, like we were talking about with hyperstition, hyperreality, all that stuff. You said up at the first um, paragraph, is it re- is it real, but masquer- it is real, but masquerades as fake, kind of like a play rehearsal where actors act like they're acting. That literally reminds me of Satan. Like it's real, but it's masquerading as fake. And like, because Satan can only copy, you know, so everything he's doing in this fake world is that that sentence in a way really made me think of like Satan coming as angel of light. Oh, wow. Yeah. How he, yeah. How he copies things and. Yeah, he even copies, copies of copies, which is so redundant, but like, yeah, like even like that goes back to Pope Gregory the first and how he made Satan into this, uh, you know, the demon, the horns and the hoofs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, that's a copy of, you know, something from paganism, but it was never how Satan was even described. So he shows up as a fake things sometimes not even the angel of light like sometimes people are scared by these hollywood-esque demons and yeah it's very it's that's, so that's what they're pointing so complex, at very, you actually see it yeah yeah that's what they're pointing yeah. at like be afraid of this stuff be afraid of the satanic panic be afraid of the darkness yeah, yeah exa- exactly be afraid of the dark yeah so then when satan comes is just like life like in a rainbow shirt like you're gonna go oh that's not bad mm-hmm and then one other comment I was thinking what you were talking about is with money, um, money only like realizing that money only had value because everybody believed in it was a big thing that I thought about like 20 years ago. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Like literally only because it's our belief in it that's giving this power. And that's like what's yeah. creating the simulation. And then you want to go even a step further into conspiracy. It came from, you know, the Templars um, holding on to gold for people going on trade routes. Did you know that? Do you know that story? No. So when people 
and I think it's predominantly it was Christians, right? Like they were supposedly protecting the Christians, but they were the military order of the Vatican or the papacy. Yeah, that's so, telling. So the Templars they would protect people on trade routes by taking all of their gold from them and saying, "We'll hold on to this for you, and in its place, we'll give you a certificate." So if you get robbed, you're only losing the certificate, right? So when they would get to the next stop, they would trade the ticket back in for gold and then be able to do their trading. Well, this turned into banks. And so the Templars started the banking system. And that's why the Vatican has become like the richest institution on this planet. The inventor of the term simulacrum, the philosopher Jean Baudrillard, uh, I think I'm saying that probably wrong, but whatever. He illustrated his Better than I'd say it. (laughs) He illustrated (laughs) his concept of simulacrum somewhat like this. Pretend you're an artist looking at a mouse in nature. You decide to draw a very realistic replica of the scene, which is almost identical. Now pretend you give that drawing to another artist, and you tell them to replicate the replica. It's still real-looking, but just a little off. Then the artist gives it to yet another artist, and they replicate the replica of the replica, but now it is cartoonish and looks more like Mickey Mouse. Finally, a last artist is asked to bring the rodent in its habitat back to reality. However, they end up creating something entirely new, a fake version of something fake that bears no semblance to its original form, like the hyper-real world of a Disneyland theme park. Disneyland doesn't claim to be real. It claims to be a copy of something. But what it claims to copy doesn't even exist. Nevertheless, my point is, <clears throat> our world now more closely resembles a Disneyland theme park than it does God's good green earth. Only the rides are conspiracy theory and occult-themed roller coasters, fun houses, and freak shows. It's not even trying to hide this, though. You only think it is, and that's by design. The world subtly seems like the Truman Show or the Matrix because it's supposed to. It's a double fake, just like everything else. For example, 9-11 was a staged event of a staged event, meaning it was orchestrated in such a way that it was actually intended to be perceived as orchestrated. Those with their eyes open were then given a ticket to the ride. COVID was more of the same. The narratives were blatantly fake. Ironically, both events were preceded by simulation. But the goal of all this seems to be a global initiation into an esoteric and ancient ARG or alternate reality game where the prize is Gnostic Illumination. But this is the trick. They want you to play. The games are rigged. The maze of mirror never ends. Or the maze of mirrors never ends. And those who try to look beyond the curtain are paradoxically the most entranced by it. But this is how sorcerers, or what you would call social engineering scientists, use misdirection to pull you deeper into the illusion and further from God. Oh, that's a good chunk there. I have a lot of things to say. Okay, first of all, this the way you're talking about how like one person draws like a tree and then the other person takes that drawing of the tree and draws the tree and they just keep doing that and then eventually it doesn't look like reality. That reminds me of AI mm-hmm. art. Yeah, yeah. Like you look at that art. Can have you seen a lot of it? You have you looked at much of it? It's so creepy. Yeah, like the uncanny valley. Does right? it make you feel sick? That, yeah, it makes me I mean, feel off makes me- and dizzy and sick. I can't look at it. Yeah, I mean that's the whole idea of the uncanny valley. Can you just search that up real quick and read the definition? Oh yeah, the uncanny valley. Okay, got it. The uncanny valley is the region of negative emotional response. Um, oh, sorry. Okay. The, in aesthetics, the uncanny Canny Valley is a hypo-sized relation between an object's degree of resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to the object. Examples of the phenomenon exist among robots, 3D computer animations, and lifelike dolls. The rising prevalence of digital technologies 
virtual reality, augmented reality, and photorealistic computer animation has propagated discussions and citations of the, quote, valley. Such such conversation has enhanced the construct's vermistilitude. The uncanny valley hypothesis predicts that an entity appearing almost human will risk eliciting cold, eerie feelings in its viewers. So the more cartoonish something looks, the more safe we actually feel around it because we can tell it's fake. But the more realistic something cartoonish starts to look, the more freaked out we get because it's like an enemy trying to camouflage itself. Like we can sense that. that Oh, yeah, that does make sense. And I also, (laughs) I don't know if this is a stretch, but I like to compare the Uncanny Valley to the Valley of the Shadow of Death or Hell. I think that's where these things are coming from. <laughs> it's like the, the uncanny valley is the abyss, right? Like it's all the same kind of metaphors they use. Wow. Yeah, you're right. And it says movement amplifies the emotional response in the uncanny valley. And I think that demons are moving us on our emotional responses. Like I think that's the way they're manipulating us. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that in the past, how, you know, that's why you're supposed to renew your mind constantly. Yep. Because you're you're supposed to subject your heart to your mind. Like the devil can mess with your emotions, make you act out of anger, fear, or you know, whatever. But if you're constantly renewing your mind, you can think godly thoughts, you know, take them all captive to Christ about your emotions and decide to um respond rather than just react. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I, in the past, in my life especially, like didn't take captive of my thoughts. And because I'm so sensitive, I think I was getting a lot of influence sometimes about my like life from the demonic spirit world, not realizing it. Like, oh my gosh, someone's son hasn't called me back yet. Something bad must be going on. Oh, wait. And then like this whole drama is like built up in my head that doesn't exist. And I had a friend the other day that was chatting with me and I was kind of bringing some of these thoughts up. And she's like, let's test that to what God would say. That doesn't sound like mm-hmm. that's from God or, you know, that's like, and you start realizing, oh, the more you get closer to God, the more you discern discern his voice, the more you, it's like Jesus says, the shep, my, my sheep hear my voice. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that's what, that's part of like, you get out of the soft war, the soft wear of this world and you renew your mind with God's word and the Holy Spirit. Um, that Jesus leads us to, that's what frees us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the devil's best tricks is, you know, using your own voice, you know, making it think, making you think it's you talking to yourself, but really those thoughts do not come from you or or they don't come from Christ, right? They're coming from the flesh. Yeah. This, like the, the, that's exactly what the snake said to Eve. You too will be like a God. I don't, yeah, so don't want to be God. I don't want that first, job. Yeah, the first sin wasn't um, disobeying God, really. I mean, it was, but like more so it was denying what God's word was, what God had told them. Yes, exactly. It was, yeah. Did you see the royal family photo? Oh, with the fingers? Yeah. Do you think that was AI? I think that was AI generated. I made a post about it. And pe- I, I talked about six-fingered stuff just because it's for fun because it looks like he could have a six-finger. And like Anne Boleyn uh, supposedly had one. And, you know, like six-finger can be like a sign of witchcraft, all that Nephilim connected to six fingers. Um, yeah. And then the AI generated pictures always do the six fingers. Yeah. And, but, and, but I mean, that's that's just like another, to me, that's like a super obvious psyop, yes, right? Because, exactly. Because people... Because everyone's like, yo, AI is demonic. And it's like, okay, they're they're literally trying to make it obvious that AI is demonic. They're trying to make it obvious that we should fear AI because the, the, all over the news they're saying, 
oh, it's going to destroy humanity. Oh, it's not trustworthy. It's creating all these deep fake news articles and blah, blah, blah. Like they want even, I don't even want to bring him up, but even uh, Jeffrey Hinton, he was like, I'm quitting working on AI because I regret my life. Yeah, it's just like they're all actors and they're all pretending to be scared when really it's part of the script, I guess. Yeah. And th- <clears throat> and also in that picture of the royal family, I also think it was AI generated because I think the AI got the decade wrong and the style wrong. It looks like it's from like the 90s from a JCPenney portrait studio. No, no problem with those. I was actually a photographer at a Sears portrait studio a long time ago but her bangs too kate middleton she looks it just looks like it's in the wrong decade so it's it's funny it's 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 definitely like you said planted purposeful so yeah and i don't you know i don't want to say that every single person talking about ai within the ai community is like being told what to say um you know they might actually be concerned because they're so deep in that world they do see concerning things um but like the news is obviously going to pipe up those stories and yeah, with the creepy picture, it seems like another uncanny valley thing. Like, I think it's supposed to be creepy. Exactly. Okay, I have a few more things about this that you just read. Um, here, you say, nevertheless, my point <laughs> is <laughs> our world now more closely resembles a Disneyland theme park than it does God's green earth. That is such a good statement. It's so true. Like, look at our cities with all the billboards everywhere, the cement roads, the boring, like, strip malls where everything looks the same. Instead of, like, Yellowstone or, like, blue skies and flowers and grass, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. That's a great, like, way to show the, that, that, that this, like, simulacrum has been created even everywhere, not just Disneyland. Yeah. Um, and I do want to say that two of the people that I got these ideas from was James Shelby Downard, who may have not even been a real dude. Um, He may have been like some kind of fictional character created by Discordians, but he talked about how life was a carnival of life and death and a simulacrum. And that was uh, expanded upon by Michael Hoffman, um, who says like conspiracy theories themselves are a contagion that drive people crazy and make them nihilistic and et cetera, et cetera. And I think I, you know, regardless of whether or not these people are fake, real shills, good God-fearing Christians, whatever. I still think there's truth to their statements. Um, but yeah, with with the simulacrum stuff, like I used to be kind of against. <laughs> it sounds stupid and silly, but I used to be kind of against like going off into nature because I was like, oh, I'm being too pagan. Like I shouldn't be. <laughs> what? When? I, I just I never. I would rather like sit and read a book than like go out into the woods and like, I don't know. I was, I was weird about it. I guess I was being too rigid, but like, like when you were a kid, you had the thoughts I'm being too pagan. No, like kind of recently. Oh, (laughs) when, yeah. When you got, when churchianity got the best of you, the Baptists. Yeah. And and that's, that sounds like really crazy, but like, that's true. And that's when you were telling me, I should wear more neutral colored clothes, Kara. Probably, but not like, not because like the Bible's telling me or something. That's like weird. That's not true. Well, I mean, we're supposed to adorn ourselves inwardly and be humble and prudent, but What's on, it doesn't matter. Humble. You are not humble because of the clothes you wear. You are humble because your it, heart is humble. Right. So it's a heart thing, obviously, but I think you can reflect that outwardly. Like if you're purposely wearing crazy stuff to like make a show of yourself, Maybe that's like an attention-seeking thing, but I don't care. You're not going to hell for that. That's something that will, you know, <laughs> as long as you love Jesus, he's going to change you. 
from the inside out and, and you'll and you're going to change naturally like there's going to be things that you just lose interest in and i'm not talking about you specifically i'm just saying in general but i just want to finish my thought is that like um after reading like about the saints and the different traditions that the jews believe that are reflected in <clears throat> metaphors used in scripture it's like you know i think we talked a little bit about um did we talk about the, the nose slide at all no no what's a nose okay, fly that's gonna be later in the series but i'll just tell you now i mean there's plenty of examples like this um it's found throughout the bible but like so you know <clears throat> jesus is our shepherd right what, what good shepherds do yeah. in real life is they put oil on sheep's noses to keep flies from going up there and there's a jewish tradition or myth or legend or like real story i guess that says that King Nimrod was actually driven insane because a nose fly flew up his nose and attacked his brain. And so like Jesus anoints our heads with oil, right? So it's almost like the good shepherd putting the oil on the sheep to protect it from these demonic parasites. And so, and so like nature reflects the gospel, like God created the good green earth. And, and I think more so is probably the, is probably the Gnostic mindset that was left lingering in my head that made me hate everything. Right. Because like because the Gnostics will have yeah. you believe that oh the whole world is ugly and it's a trap for the soul and so you should reject all of it, but no it's it's truly there's truly right. a lot of it is still beautiful. Well, God created everything and we shouldn't be fearful of anything but Him. But I definitely felt myself handled like as someone who didn't even realize that there was an occult or what I didn't even know what the word occult meant or like I or I didn't magic no I was never like purposefully trying to do that Ooh. stuff until 2020. And, but then like getting saved and I kind of like felt like I bounced really hard one way and I was like, I can't do anything. Like I'm not gonna, like I threw all the books away, all the stuff away and I don't even want to talk about it. And then it's like, you realize there's a whole handling too of like crystals are bad and incense are bad or like you can't even, you just like, you gotta know what I'm saying? Like this sort of Christian influencer sort of like scaring everybody from the new age. It's like a handling in its own way where we shouldn't be, of like you, okay, well, here's a good way of putting it. Like you can't put a Christmas tree up because right. that's pagan. It's like no, it's not pagan. Christmas is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Like I don't even want to get conspiracy where someone's like Jesus's birthday is nine eleven. I just want to celebrate Jesus's birthday at Christmas as like this seems like the majority of the world is, and I'm gonna put a tree up, and that's not pagan. It's actually to celebrate Jesus now because I know who Jesus is, and yeah, all that I, I just all that all that stuff is devi divisive and and honestly a symptom of self righteousness. It's like yeah, don't pray to crystals or ask him for advice, but you can have them in your home without being a heretic. I mean, yeah. it's just crazy. You know, you can exactly. have them for aesthetic purposes, but yeah. like, yeah, I really believe that verse Titus has something to, a verse in Titus has something to do with this, where it's like, um, all those who like purify their thoughts, all things are pure to them. And so like God understands your intention. Like he knows you're not setting up a tree to be a pagan. He knows you're setting up a tree to celebrate family and the birth of Christ. So yeah. Like I said, I, w I was... And he he planted the trees, grew them, all, even the decorations, like all that. God yeah. created and everything. So just to wrap up that original thing about nature is like when I was like deep into Gnosticism, I was reading stuff like the secret book of Thomas where it's like, oh, whoever discovers the world discovers a <sighs> carcass. And so like, you know, you discover something like that and you feel so enlightened that, that, the, <laughs> that the world's like this evil trap, but it honestly just makes you nihilistic and it makes you... 
yeah, you can even start rejecting your own body and become all mind, you know, all mental and all intellectual. And <clears throat> yeah, it's more about the heart. And yeah. that's where Gnostics, I feel, uh, kind of missed the point. But anyway. And that everything is pagan kind of like programming can fall over you as well. If you're like, oh, my gosh, I got into the occult and paganism. I don't want to get near it. Everything must be pagan. All the holidays, well, everything. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But that's just it's no, it's it's like like last year I was like talking about, oh, Christmas is actually Nimrod's birthday and all of these things. And it's like all that attention to yeah, the demons and the darkness. I'd rather celebrate the birth of Jesus, whether or not it's his actual birthday, we may never know, but I'm going to focus on him. Yeah, I agree. And the everything's pagan mindset got to me too. Um, even as a Christian, when I was starting to feel bad about listening to secular music, like I stopped listening to music altogether at one point because I did not enjoy like the weird pop love songs to Jesus. But you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was like, why can't I, you know, like this but you know i think that like a lot of songs can be um pleasing to god if you have the right intention about it like some of the music i listen to like by gregory allen eisenkopf it feels like he's um you know saying like have mercy on me god like a sinner you know he's like crying out for help yeah. and yeah i think that's just as like if you're going to listen to pop songs about jesus that aren't like the orthodox traditional hymns or the psalms you know it's like then you know there's no really no line to draw there's really no righteousness in that i don't yeah i don't want to like i don't want to bash it no, I, I loved your i loved your tweets i loved your tweets the other day about um music you were kind of talking about secular music and all that stuff because yeah like i i love like I'm actually like some Brandon Lake songs, but like last year I would have said Brandon Lake is probably in the Illuminati and connected to a false church and all these da 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 da. And it just seemed they're slandering the guy. I don't even know him. And the important thing is, you know, God knows everyone's heart and are they following Jesus? Like none of us are going to be perfect. The church is not going to be perfect. The music's never going to be perfect. And I, you know, I'm a musician. I've put out albums that like literally are not uh christian music and i probably won't be putting out christian albums straight up because i'll just put out music like what's wrong right. with just music god created music and everything everything i'm doing i'm trying everything i'm doing i'm trying to honor god yeah. everything so everything even if it's like inevitably you will write yeah. about him anyways because right. if god is truly has your heart and what you care exactly. about you're going to talk about what you care about so like even like the music that i you know i don't make music anymore but i still write lyrics sometimes and like even those lyrics will be about God, but in more subtle ways. It's not just like the repeating choruses over and over of like Bethel type music or Hell song. But um, anyways, I don't even know if I said those right. I just <laughs> no, that's a great point. No, I love what you just said. You're right. No matter what, it's going to be honoring God. And even if, and I, this is subtle ways and not, you know, we all, yeah, God works in all sorts of ways. But okay, back to the thread. Let's finish up this paragraph. I have a couple more things I want to say because you said 9-11 was a staged event of a staged event meaning it was orchestrated in such a way that it was actually intended to be perceived as orchestrated. That is so interesting to think about it that way in a staged event. Yeah. I mean, look into event. the conspiracy community and their interpretations of nine 11. They all say it's like, Oh, it was a gateway. Um, it was like a gateway ritual because they smashed the two pillars of Solomon and then they created the third pillar and it was like a portal into the new age. And like, that's kind of true but they want you like there was a gateway for you to go into and literally enter a Truman show like reality, right? Like in a way the multiverse 
is metaphorically real. Like I don't believe in millions and trillions of universes, but I do believe that they warped people's perception through these initiation rituals, made them see the occult symbolism behind them, and it permanently altered their worldview. So now they no longer see the world as a normal place, but as a life's a game, right? Like it's all the Illuminati's game. They, they see it now yep. because they were initiated through those um, illuminating rituals. You are such a good friend. Thank you. Because I learned so much just from talking to you. I always feel like you're kind of like, well, sometimes I'm a step ahead of you sometimes, but usually you're like steps ahead of me in the stuff. Like even last September, I made content and posts talking about 9-11, exactly what you just said about the two pillars and the whole ritual. But I was missing the thing you just said, that it was orchestrated like that on purpose. And that's what we're trying to say here, you guys. Like these things that you were just quote unquote discovering. Yeah, that's right. But they wanted you to see that so that we can create this hyper reality that they want, this simulation. Yeah, this and simulation. so um, a lot of people are catching on to this now, which is really good that the Great Awakening is a fake awakening or a false awakening, right? Like it's being triggered on purpose. And it, yeah, it started with probably goes further back to like JFK, right? But, you know, 9-11 was a huge one. And then so yeah. was uh, coronavirus. Yeah. And one thing about coronavirus, like when you're talking like COVID was more of the same, the narratives were blatantly fake. You remember at the beginning of COVID when they said that they were setting up morgues in the street in New York City because they had so many people. Yeah. Dying. And yeah, that never happened. Isn't that crazy? But when I saw that, dude, I wasn't awake yet. And I was like, oh, my God, this is intense. This is scary, guys. Look what they're having to do. It's just crazy. And now I look at it, it's like, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous and yeah. overscripted. Like, how can it proves the whole I mean, thing was just a joke? I mean, not the whole thing, but I was in mix, California you know? at the time. And I'm not going to lie. I panicked and flew home to Ohio. And then I probably wore a mask for like three days until I realized, oh, this is like, but I, I was on the side that it was like for government control or whatever. I didn't realize at that point that it was going to be used to radicalize the conservatives and make them sick of the government shit, right? Because we see, we see that happening now. Yeah. There's even politicians talking about it. They're like, oh, the government straight up lied to us during COVID. And it's like, yeah, they yeah. want people to be mad. They want people to be... um. As you say, a global initiation into an esoteric and ancient ARG where the prize is Gnostic illumination, but this is the trick. They want yeah, you. Yeah, and you're going to end up chasing you're going to end up chasing synchronicities and white rabbits <laughs> into the schizophrenic wonderland rabbit hole yep. for the rest of your life and never ever find what, you know, you're what you think you're supposed to find. Really, you know, if the devil can keep you distracted from you know, simply reading the gospel, then he's won. Exactly. You're totally right. Because, the, the, hey, everybody that's searching, I believe, and I think I can speak for Nick, we believe you're, we're all supposed to discover who Jesus is to take us to God. That's Yeah, it. I mean, that's behind the, the curtain is a brick wall. And that's, I think I said that in one of the episodes, mm -hmm. but like, that's really all that's there. And when you find that, you know, the Discordians or whoever's in charge of all these weird games being played on humanity, they're just laughing at you. It's the divine comedy. The yeah, yeah. The, co the, the you're gonna pull that joke. curtain back, and you're gonna walk right into a brick wall, and you're gonna slam your head, and it's gonna hurt, and it's gonna crash your reality, and then you're gonna have to try to survive. Right.
And the only thing that brings hope to that is God. So, Amen. Take us to Roswell. Let's move on. With okay. Your and I'm not sure if this is a very good order, but I'm sure it'll wrap around and make sense eventually. But for a second, we're going to take a left turn. <laughs> So the famous Roswell UFO incident of 1947 actually happened in a city a few miles away from Roswell called Corona, New Mexico. Much later, North Korea would claim Corona was caused by alien things landing on their border. So why is there this weird association between coronavirus and aliens? Researchers like Edward J. Steele and N. Chandra Wickramashing, <laughs> you're going to have to read that, <laughs> claim viruses... Wicker machine game. Uh, that guy and some other dude named Edward claim viruses. That's a girl. Oh, and, a girl. and Chandra? I don't think so, but anyway, no. You think so? Anyways, these oh, two really? dudes claim viruses. Maybe it's a girl. Anyways, these two people claim viruses come from space and that a meteor over... Dude, dude, definitely a dude. Definitely a dude. He's Sri Lankan. He's a mathematician, astronomer, and astrobiologist. Okay, thank you for letting the listeners know. <laughs> so... They they claimed <laughs> that a meteor over Wuhan caused the coronavirus pandemic. Terence McKenna's panspermia theory was somewhat similar, only it had to do with interstellar psychedelic fungal spores and not the flu. So, like, Terence McKenna was claiming that, like, asteroids containing fungi or just spores in space could, you know, transmit life across oh, wow. the wow. Yeah, I'm looking at Chandra's wiki. He believes this about a lot of stuff. Mad cow disease, the flu's pull. He's really into this. Yeah, viruses are from like, space. Yeah, stuff causing this. Yeah, yeah, molecules in space. Does he? He doesn't know space no. speak yet, huh? That's gonna so, destroy so, his career. So this is um, <laughs> the reason I'm mentioning this stuff is I really believe it's a narrative that they're in the process of weaving for the fake apocalypse. I think they might say COVID came from space or something eventually. Like. Do you remember Emmanuel Stella or something like that? She was Trump's favorite doctor. No. Just. Oh, that woman. Yeah. yeah she the, was the saying like, one. beware of like astral sex and demon sperm and um, alien DNA inside of medical treatments. And everyone was bashing on Trump for saying that was his favorite doctor. Well, I think all this stuff is going to become more relevant as things get stranger and stranger. Um, not only that, but there was that. New Hampshire lawmaker who said there was like little alien or no, he didn't say they're alien. He said that there was, um, what are they called? Um, Hydra vulgaris polyps inside the vaccine. And turns out Hydra vulgaris polyps, um, are used to create synthetic AI brains. So there was a crazy conspiracy. Yeah. There was a crazy oh. conspiracy going on that. Oh. Oh God! It's like that little guy that grows on someone's shoulders from the inside, you know, like a little brain. And yeah, like the brain talking. sucker <laughs> from like the cartoons. But um, <laughs> yeah, like the octopus on someone's brain. You don't even need the fly. Yeah. You don't need Nimrod's. Well, fly. yeah, it's truly symbolically all one and the same, I I think. But yeah, there was a crazy conspiracy that the hydrovolgaris polyps inside the vaccine were being used to create an artificial neural network in the people who received the vaccine to turn them into zombies i guess a hive mind of zombies and and like and like i said in the last episode i think that is just a psyop we're supposed to be afraid of and also make us fight with our loved ones who did get the vaccine um but we'll see as the fake apocalypse narrative keeps playing out what is more real and more fake so regardless of whether or not um alien viruses or panspermia fungal spores are real or not 
It is interesting to note that many people who eat psychedelic mushrooms either see aliens or technological beings called machine elves. It said the Roswell UFO incident marked a turning point in human history when technological advancements seemed to quicken to an exponential pace. If scientists really reverse engineered an alien craft from Corona at this time, Corona meaning Corona, New Mexico, did they accidentally accept a Trojan horse from another world? The coronavirus pandemic marked a similar point in human history. We were introduced to new technologies like the metaverse, digital twins, mRNA vaccines, and 5G. Perhaps the real alien invasion is AI. And like I said, the alien AIs are the fake enemy. I'm just telling you what the narrative is that I think they're subconsciously planting. It's also interesting to note that UFO disclosure started during quarantine, a time when many of our friends and family seemed to turn on each other like something out of the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Maybe the AI alien invasion is subtle and happens inside of people as it takes over. However, I would argue it's more of a mind virus thing than anything else. Totally. Agree or hyperstition, you know, hyper reality type deal. Yeah. Um, the real alien invasion is AI. Alien invasion is literally AI. Oh, I know. They're, it's it's going to become more obvious as time goes on. I really think so. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to establish a little bit of credibility by saying like, hey, I already went through the fake apocalypse thing, but I already went through... <laughs> we got it on record. Yeah, I already went through the apocalypse, but I think it's fake. So, like I said, it's a sci-fi Gnostic weirdo recreation by the Jesuits. Um, yeah. So, in the movie Super 8, a train secretly transports... Oh, wait, whoa, transport- whoa, 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 whoa. Put the brakes on it. I, got a qu- I wanted to talk about 1947 a little bit first. Oh, I mean, this goes into it, but go ahead. Okay, well, go ahead. Um, it's like a movie... standoff that was just like a standoff like no i'd, I'd, I'd rather you ask your question i'd rather, well, rather I just like talking question. about 1947 because it's just crazy when you actually think about everything that happened around that time we have the babylon working right before 1947 happens we have the ufos that I'm come in roswell yep. we have that meteor that comes in as well that drops the green meteor i can't remember the armorek meteor or something like that i'd have to look it up to fact check the name oh you you need to do that i haven't heard of that the meteor is the Cinco Elin meteorite. It's S-I-K-H-O-T-E dash A-L-I-N. And it's an iron meteorite which fell on the Sikhot Elin Mountains in southeastern Russia in 1947. So it was huge. Mm. Yeah, it was like giant. And, it you know, it's green looking. It looks kind of like Moldavite, honestly, which is um, this crystal that I that is supposed to help summon in these beings. And it does work. I'd used it and it did work. Um, I don't want to talk about it much though. More than that. Um, and then in 1947, we also had the uh, Patriot, no, not the Patriot, what was it? The um, the National Security Act was signed into place. 1947, isn't that when Israel, we had a co- some conflict in Israel with the Rothschilds coming in as well. It's a tremendous amount of stuff that happened in 1947. It's just such a significant year in time. And I, and that, that was what I think really like was the button was pushed on whatever this whole ritual yeah, didn't, has been. Didn't Crowley die and they created oh, yes. the CIA and all that stuff? Yeah, exactly. Dude, you know what we didn't even realize? No, is what? That if, if that if Trump is truly the next president or the fake Antichrist, whatever, he's going to be the 47th president. We no. keep talking about no. We keep talking about this 47 chaos magic crap and the quantum leap 47 and all that stuff and we didn't even realize it. That's insane. And the whole 1947, everything, chaos, magic, it's all based upon this number, 47. He's going to be the 47th president. Yeah, calling it now. Calling it now. 
Okay. We had I, to say I, that. I don't, That's I don't, yeah. crazy. <laughs> I don't think, I, but real quick, I don't even know if there'll be another election. I also want to predict oh. that, I guess. Yeah. And that, so, and this is, that's a, the next election is supposed to be next year, like next fall, like less than a year away. Right. Yeah. And I could honestly see like, um, Biden being a wartime president and like Donald Trump just usurping the country or the election being messed with, um, through hacking and stuff. And so all of a sudden everyone's got to be on like digital ID blockchain and vote online or like, I don't know, either way, I just don't think the next election is going to be a regular election. No, I think you're right. The green asteroid is super interesting. We're going to get into that probably in the next episode. But for a sneak peek, I guess, um, it's super interesting that in the Book of Acts, um, Artemis, who is the green goddess, um, she was carved out of a stone that fell from heaven. Oh, really? Yeah. So like... Did you, um, you didn't when know? Paul, I can't believe you didn't know about that meteor. Mm-mm. So when Paul goes to Ephesus, like he tells everyone to stop worshiping the idol of Artemis and like he pretty much starts a war with the people and the the stone worker who created the idols there. And he's like, you all know that this stone fell from heaven. Don't listen to Paul. But <clears throat> anyways, yeah, the 1947 stuff is super crazy. We're going to talk about Babylon working a little bit more. But it's obvious to me, again, that it's another psyop because they straight up put this stuff in pop culture, like stuff about Jack Parsons and Crowley. And then you decide to look at Crowley and Parsons and you know, you see pictures of Crowley dressed up like an Illuminati sage or something. And it's like, it's just so obviously stupid. And like, they're dressed up like actors. It's literally to make you fall for their magic, right? It's more yes. of the using illusions and misdirection being like, look at, look at us. Like, and because we believe those things, I think it gives them more power. Yes. Even with, and when you talk about Aleister Crawley, I can't not think about Anton LaVey too, because he supposedly, yeah. you know, founded the Church of Satan and all that. But if you look into him, dude, he has a bachelor's in like criminology. Like he went to college, like in working in that area. And I, and I know he ended up working for some kind of intelligence company or something like that for a while as well. He has a connection to that. And it just totally makes sense with how theatrical he is. He didn't start the mm-hmm. Church of Satan. Satan started that a long time ago. And like we said, Satan isn't what Pope Egregor show or Gregory, Pope Gregory the first <laughs> shows. And that's what Anton LaVey showing us. And then even yep. like the Zena LaVey and the Taylor, like Taylor Swift connection, like it's also obviously planted. I literally think Anton LaVey is just an actor, just a CIA agent to create the simulation hyper reality of Satanism, which ties to the satanic panic, which ties to all the Hollywood stuff and all this obvious satanic stuff that's trying to make us be quote unquote afraid of the dark and to look over here like a smokescreen when Satan's in the background scripting this world and infiltrating everything and he's coming as an angel of light and fooling people. Yeah, no, it's insane. And then like the people that go deep into the uh, Anton LaVey stuff, they end up coming across uh, Michael Aquino, right? Oh, God. Who was, like, His literally eyebrows. doing rituals. Yeah, he's, like, literally doing rituals to Artemis and stuff. But, um, yeah, he's got those evil eyebrows. It's like, bro, I this know. is an actor. Dude, this could you actor. take someone seriously in real life if you met, if they had eyebrows like Michael Aquino? Like, everybody, no, if you don't no, know this, like, his here, eyebrows here, look here, like here, horns here. coming out of his head. Yeah, and the crazy thing is that he was like heavily promoted by like nine eleven truth seekers, and um, I think Ron Paul or Die had a podcast with him on. But like he was claiming to like come clean and like reveal all these secrets. I think, and like he was going on like alternative media podcast before he passed away. 
some say he killed himself. I'm not really sure what happened there, but either way, it's super interesting that he was part of like the whole conspiracy movement, right? Yeah. Like he helped pave the way for the conspiracy movement and okay. everyone being obsessed with psychotronic weapons and mind control and aliens, but what? Okay, I have a list of some things I want to add to the 1947 thing. So we have the Roswell crash. The AK-47 went into production. The Diary of Anne Frank was published. The Cinco Alin meteorite fell from the sky. The International Monetary Fund begins financial operations. President Harry S. Truman signs the National Security Act into law. The first case of a computer bug is found. Walt Disney Mm. testifies before the House Un-American Activities Committee. The Hollywood Ten are blacklisted. The Jerusalem riots of 1947 and the first World Series is televised. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a huge year. Yeah, I knew you'd like that computer bug part. Mm-hmm. And you went, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh I have a lot of writing on computer bugs and the boogeyman. But anyways, um Take I'm just gonna to move Super forward. 8. Yeah, exactly. In the movie Super Eight, a train secretly transporting an alien creature crashes in Ohio, allowing it to escape. Near the end of the film, it's revealed the alien is trying to take over the world by creating a parasitic hive mind of human zombies in a system of underground tunnels. Ironically, the main character catches the train crash on camera while trying to film a movie about zombies for a Super 8 film competition. In a sense, the movie is a fictional film about a fictional film that becomes real, like a hyper-reality. In the movie White Noise, some similar themes are present. A chemical explosion caused by a train crash in Ohio leads to its citizens being quarantined. There are also several mentions of UFOs and aliens and even simulations and simulacrums. The last two concepts are explored when emergency workers use the very real disaster as practice for an upcoming simulation. So the event becomes a simulation of a simulation. However, in the novel the movie is based on, the simulacrum concept is expanded on more when the main character visits the most photographed barn in America where people are taking pictures of taking pictures. Oddly enough, the white... Oddly enough, White Noise was released only two months before a chemical explosion caused by a train crash in the city of East Palestine, Ohio, actually happened in real life. Even stranger, the movie was filmed there, and some of the citizens were used as actors. Just like in the movie, the people of East Palestine were forced to quarantine, and some received digital ID wristbands reminiscent of the armbands worn by the emergency workers in the simulation in the movie. So, in a sense, the movie itself was a simulacrum. It's also interesting to note that just a few days after the train crash in East Palestine, Fighter jets were chasing supposed UFOs all around the United States. Also, at the same time, there was all these revivals happening, which started with the Ashbury revival. And then there was the Phoenix, you know, uh, Super Bowl. And right before the anniversary of the Phoenix Lights in Arizona. But that's all stuff that we'll get to later. Um, Ironically, some of those UFOs were called spy balloons, similar to what was said about the Roswell UFO incident. In a previous thread, our... (laughs) Previously, previous episode, whatever, I talked about the body snatchers and how they might be symbolic of an AI alien invasion or transhumanist takeover. In the same thread, I also explained the relationship between Roswell and coronavirus, which caused people to quarantine like the chemical explosions did. In white noise and in real life, the chemicals contaminated the nearby water supplies and made them toxic. In the novel Dreamcatcher, a parasitic alien named Mr. Gray possesses a man and tries to use him to contaminate the local water supply with an extraterrestrial or with extraterrestrial spores that will infect humanity with its hive mind. Dreamcatcher was written by Stephen King, who has described himself as a channel in his own books. So it's oddly specific, he says, Mr. Gray arrived on Earth during the Roswell UFO incident. 
even more odd, let me just say this real quick. Even more odd, a mysterious man named Mr. Gray who shows up in people's dreams is the antagonist of White Noise as well. Is it possible Mr. Gray is actually a reference to Lom, the demon Crowley claimed to channel? Some occultists believe a manifestation of Lom, who supposedly looked like a gray alien, was brought into our world during the Roswell UFO incident as a result of an apocalyptic portal opened up by Jack Parsons. So, yeah, th this is like all feeding into the fake apocalypse narrative where they summon Babylon, summon the, the gray aliens, summon, you know, and this is exactly what a freaking, what are they called? The Collins elite, the people in the Pentagon are saying, right? Yeah. So you have, you have Pentagon scientists exposing that UFOs are demons. It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I I'm don't... sorry, are you talking about UAPs? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a, now it's taken seriously, so we have to call them UAPs. I know. It's, and you know they they're doing that so that the search changes just to control the algorithm on it or whatever, or like rewrite the script on it or reset it or something. Not not I don't even think it's that. I think it's like um they want people to like take it more scholarly, right? Like now <laughs> it's not a now it's now it's not a weird conspiracy. No, it now sounds like, like an official. STD. Yeah, well, now it's more official sounding, right? So, so you yeah. can walk up to your. You no, know it reminds me of is that WAP song by Cardi B. When I hear it, I think of WAP. Remember that WAP song, White Ass. Thanks for interrupting. Thanks for interrupting me to say that. That's the craziest thing I've heard you say. But that's what I hear when I think of UAP. UAP. Yeah, it's horrible. That Cardi okay. B song, anyways. But it's probably <laughs> okay. connected. Okay, okay, and all the stuff you were just saying. Remember Event Two Hundred One. Yeah. So that when you said they in the movie um, Super or on White Noise, they use the very real disaster as practice for an upcoming simulation. That's exactly what well, event to almost just kind of like that a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in like earlier, I said how 9-11 and coronavirus were preceded by simulations. Right. Yeah. Not during 9-11. There was also a simulation going on. Oh, really? What? It, I had search. I don't remember what it was called, but. I know that there was a simulation of a terrorist attack happening that day. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then there's people that will say um, human vibration. She pointed out how um, apparently no one was in the hospital or died that day on 9-11. I don't know. Have you heard about that? Dude, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I have a really... Actually, I would, I'm happy to say this right now too on the podcast. Like, I did an episode this year called the true story of the 9-11 hero, Betty Ong. She's the flight attendant who made that call, the first call on the airplane saying that our planes been hijacked. She was an Asian woman. They said she was a hero. She was a flight attendant. She's like not real. I came across this thread written by Jonathan Ravusky and I read the thread on an episode on this podcast. Jonathan Ravusky found out that I did this. I had linked it. Someone probably contacted him and he was like, thank He was like, wow, I'm flattered that you shared my story on your podcast. I wrote that years ago. He's actually talked about coming on the podcast next year, which would be awesome. But he just sent me an email today because he's done so much research. He said that Betty Ong was like, basically opened the door into what you're getting at right now with this theory that like nobody was actually in the towers. Basically when you look into all the victims of nine 11, like the, like they, they don't exist. Like that's what people that have done the research. I'm just sharing that. I haven't done it. They, that's kind of what they come to conclude is that there really weren't any people in the towers actually, maybe that actually died that day and stuff. I'm not saying there aren't victims. Yeah. I have a friend's I mean, dad who was a first responder who got lung cancer after doing that. Like there's very real victims. We were the real victims, but yeah, back to what you're saying. Absolutely. Uh, it reminds me of the Challenger explosion too, how there's people that say all those people on the Challenger, <laughs> like 
there's other people alive today that look just like them but have different names and it's like they went into uh witness protection or something right but, <clears throat> how convenient anyway anyways i think we should back up because i do want to drive home the point that these movies seem to be subconsciously and subliminally saying like yeah this this mr gray mind virus thing is here and trying to create a hive mind i guess yeah um so i just want to i'm just going to reread one of these paragraphs sure. but so so a mysterious man named mr gray who shows up in people's dreams is the antagonist of white noise as well so is it possible mr gray is actually a reference to lom the demon crowley claimed the channel some occultists believe a manifestation of lom who supposedly looked like a gray alien was brought into our world during the roswell ufo incident as a result of an apocalyptic portal opened by jack parsons so Parsons was a NASA rocket scientist and student of Crowley who claimed to have a vision of becoming the Antichrist. During another scene in White Noise, the main characters escape quarantine to a place called Iron City where other escapees complain about the media's lack of attention toward the disaster, which also happened in East Palestine in real life. The names of both East Palestine and Iron City seem to have biblical connotations. In the Middle East, the country called Palestine is considered the Holy Land and in the book of Daniel, a kingdom made of iron and clay was prophesied to be the last worldly civilization. It is destroyed when a stone from heaven falls on it. Elsewhere in the Bible, this stone from heaven is described as a star that turns waters poisonous. And it's called Wormwood. Um, some Christians claim... So that that's what goes into the Artemis stuff, because Wormwood, um, its scientific name is like Artemis something, Artemisia, like the plant name. And... Uh, like I said, Artemis is the green goddess. So, uh, yeah, I also wanted to point out that, like, I do not believe that the iron and clay kingdom is really the transhumanist kingdom, right? Like, it, it is in a sense because this is their fake narrative. But there are people like, um, I think it's Michael Heiser that has said similar things. However, he... There's people that do very deep research on this and have found his connections to the Vatican. And um, yeah, I do not trust Michael Heiser as a a solid source at all. He's very Gnostic too in his teachings. He believes in a lot of stuff that's super unbiblical. And and it's so sad to hear how many people put his teachings before God's. Yeah, he's like, there's some connection to like the Knights of Malta and Jesuits and stuff. And it makes perfect sense when you understand why they are doing this slow um, leak of the transhumanist agenda on purpose, right? Because they want us to hate the transhumanists, which, yeah, you shouldn't go get a chip in your brain. But also, this is the fake enemy, and they're painting that picture for us with these uh, brainwashing movies. So some Christians claim, because the Bible says humans were made from clay, this means the kingdom, or the final kingdom uh, from Daniel, will be a transhuman one, or transhumanist one where men merge with machines or iron. Interestingly, all this takes place during a prophetic time called the 70 weeks of Daniel, and white noise was released 70 days before the train crash in East Palestine. Nevertheless, it seems these staged disasters are being used to push a transhumanist agenda, which many people can see because it's obvious, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're going to talk about eventually how Daniel's 70th week already happened. So they're recreating it in this sci-fi Gnostic weird way. Um... Or maybe these disasters aren't staged. Maybe all these Inception-esque events are manifestations of some strange sorcery that's using fiction to break the fourth wall, which we've talked about with hyperstition, hyperreality, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay, I have a few things I want to say. First, um, 
how interesting is it now looking back with the whole because we were talk we were podcasting about white noise on the show when it was live when it was happening and now we are like almost a year later and it's like we're there's this Palestine Israel thing going yeah, on yeah, you know yeah. like it's just like ah like it's so obvious you know and dude you know it seems like the past couple of years because of COVID or at least starting with COVID and quarantine like everyone's had like this mass amnesia experience where we forget how ridiculous the past couple of years have been with the yep. trains exploding, the aliens showing up, the, you know, just being <laughs> locked UAPs. in our houses and wearing masks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And even craziest thing in 2020 and I was doing psychedelics, I did see a lamb being like a gray being like, I have to bring this up now. It is so interesting and strange that when people take mushrooms and psychedelics that they see these machine-like elves or these spirits or these egregores, whatever this image is, this avatar that the spirit world is creating through energy that we can see. Like I had, That was at the time when I was taking psychedelics and opening circles with a friend trying to literally summon what we thought were aliens and didn't know about demons yet, hadn't been saved yet, didn't have any biblical knowledge yet, had no clue what I was doing, how dangerous it was. Didn't also know about Aleister Crawley. Didn't even know what a gray <laughs> was. I'm not even kidding you, dude. Like, that's the weird thing about me is I'm either like, but all... then, what? But then as soon as you found out about those things, you were pulled into the fake awakening stuff. You're yes. like, oh, Aleister Crawley, he's, he's obviously the evil guy. It's not, it's definitely not an apostate pastor. Right. Right. So, but the thing that like, I really want to say here is that like, so I did psychedelics that night and I so, so what would happen was is I would look at people and I could actually like pull spirits from their eyes. It's it's a weird thing, but the eyes are portals. And the the gray came out of her head is what it was. It came out of her eyes and her head, and I could see it. It was crazy how it looked. And then um, later, you know, I went back and talked to her about it. What I saw, and she's like, "Oh my god, that's a gray or whatever." And then I learned about Aleister Crowley. Well, dude, the method that Aleister Crowley used to get lamb if you read into the literal like sorcery he pulled it out of the eye like it, this the being gets pulled out of the eyes and i believed he used a medium a woman named um roddy minor to do this and so i accidentally like did without even knowing about him not knowing what i was doing and not knowing i had like any kind of like abilities in the spirit like to do stuff in that world did this thing so I'm still right. trying to grapple like with God. I'm like, what the heck was that? Was I seeing something the AI created to make me believe this? It was encoded like software, soft war into my psychedelic experience. Or is there really some kind of spirit out there that is this gray, you know, that exists? Because I'm just saying like, it's too coincidental to me that I had this experience, didn't know about any of this. And you know what I mean? Like, this is real. This is such a perfect example of how it's a hyper reality or a simulacrum or a simulation to simulation where these things are being scripted and put out there and they're very real. And it, but it's still yeah, so they, scripted. They, yeah, they, they, I truly believe they use like occultic books or grimoires, right? Um, and they give these demons, you know, similar to how we were talking about, uh, what was that book? Paradise Lost. Like they give these yeah. demons personalities and characteristics and like, you know, it's all fictional, right? Like they give them an appearance and stuff but they give life to these archetypes and that's probably what you saw through like the holographic AI, whatever yeah, you want to call whatever it. Whatever the heck that oh. it is something it's an energy field. But um, yeah, during the train crash, when we were like reporting it live, like right before I was freaking out too, because I was supposed to take a train from Ohio to Virginia. And the day that, right. um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The day that I was supposed to leave, I get a text like, hey, your train's been canceled. And I walk downstairs, I'm like looking at the TV and there's trains exploding on it. And I'm like, oh, that's probably why. 
And, you know, I ended up getting a flight down to Virginia instead in the nick of time. And as soon as I got there, the nick of time I, has a different meaning to you, doesn't it? No, I just happened to say it. Um, but a I'm not, nick. I'm not that narcissistic, oh, but, yeah, right. um, <laughs> but as soon as I got to Virginia, I was like jet lagged. So I went to bed and, um, I had a dream that there was like these frog dudes uh, holding onto red balloons descending from the sky. And I was like, what the hell was it? It was actually terrifying. And, um, I told my friend, I was like, dude, like I just had this crazy dream. And they were like, I wouldn't pay attention to, to that too much. Like it was probably demonic. I was like, nope, it was a message directly from the Lord. And I was just kidding around. But later that day was when the balloons started popping up in the sky. Wow. And then, the, then they started chasing around aliens and UFOs, you know, like yeah, all right before the freaking um Super Bowl in Phoenix, the super so, ritual. Yeah, it was crazy, and so that's why I became like hyper obsessed with this topic. Yeah, and like that dream, that dream. I don't know if it was divine or not, but it played into figuring out um all this nonsense, and uh, you know, it could have been meant to drag me into the fake apocalypse because I remember that same day. Uh, my friends were sending me articles about Hinton, Virginia and Hinton, West Virginia and how there was like a UFO wave there, I believe in 1947. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, so I was like freaking out completely. And that was, and then that's the type of like synchronistic stuff that would happen on a daily basis that was just like driving me crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I remember like all this stuff happening in real time with you too. Like you're telling me it's, mm-hmm. it was like when you're at the train, you're like supposed to take the train that day and the train like explodes and you're in Ohio. It's just great. It's just crazy. And so, um, yep. yeah. And so what do you think these gray brains are? Mr. Gray and like possessing people. Cause I, cause that was another thing I had. And another experience was when I astral projected on my body and like literally saw myself like a, vi- like on like, like laying on a table with my brain connected to a, a giant gray brain. I mean, it's just Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, a, what, what, but what is it with the graying of the brain? I, well, I think it's like an alchemical thing, right? Like there's the, the blackening stage of alchemy first where you encounter like the, the masculine gatekeeper. Yeah. And then, and then once you're like initiated past that point or past Chapel Perilous or the Abyss or whatever, you encounter the false light of Lucifer or Babylon. And, um, and then you become yeah, a so, zombie so, so, shortly after, right? Well, well, well so... In Crowley's system of magic, it was like you cross to the abyss, you encounter the gatekeeper, and after that, you enter the city of pyramids where you meet the goddess and you have sex magic with her, and then you're reborn spiritually. So, like, I think the whole world is kind of going through this where COVID represents the graying or the blackening, and then all of this, like, fake awakening stuff happening right after, that's the divine feminine Luciferian aspect. Right, right. So there's always the feminine mystery. And the masculine gatekeeper. Yep. Yep. Like you have to pass the bridge troll before you get to the the cursed treasure at the bottom of the cave. And Dang. once you get that treasure, you are never Dude, the that's same. Mario. You gotta get past Bowser to get to the princess. She's in the yeah, castle. You'll find Dang. It. You'll find you'll find it in everything once you see it. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, this was a great conversation. This is part three. I think this is where we should conclude for the day. And uh, you've got here that zombies are coming next, right? That's what we're entering into part four. <laughs> yeah. Something to look forward to everyone right before Christmas. We'll be dropping about zombies. 
Yeah, so the green goddess, the green zombies, and freaking um, the CDC's warning about a zombie apocalypse. Right, right. Fun. And the Amazon <laughs> warning, too. That was so weird. And we should be, t- mm-hmm. yeah, like I used to watch The Walking Dead, too, a while ago. Like, there's so much zombie stuff programmed into our reality. And, like, really, like, zombies are like NPCs, too, to tie it back to this. Like, this, this kind yeah. of, like, soulless think- being. I think it's going to be one of the four horsemen of the fake apocalypse. <laughs> the apocalypse is still happening. We just have to say fake before it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a real, real one happening yeah. too, but we're, but we're like in a mini section of it where it's like everything's being recreated and, and staged. In a box, in a tesseract. It's like, which is a, sure, you have sure. to have a container. <laughs> you have to have a container to make a spell work. So. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> cares Kara all right <laughs> thanks everybody for following along with us <laughs> thank you guys God, God bless, bless you all oh yep yeah. all right bye <laughs>